only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Trash Act Podcast. Today, we have Nick Shoulders on this episode. And we had did an intro, and I had forgotten to hit record until about 10 seconds afterwards. But here we are, and we pick up right after we start talking about mullets. And this is it right here. Back successively over time, and then uh, now it's kind of back at its, its lowest point. But it was just one curl for a second. Which was kind of gross. I was like, just gonna have this one single ringlet on the back of my head. So I'm glad that phase is over with, at least. <laughs> What's well, working out for you for sure? Oh, thanks. I I hope so. Hell. Yeah. So how how you're in Arkansas right now, right? Or yeah, I just moved back to Northwest Arkansas. I'm uh, starting like a land project and doing farming stuff, and uh, you know, living out in the woods until pandemic things lift and tourists start again but i essentially was playing mostly dance shows and small tours and stuff until the pandemic started and really the videos that people are watching of me out there have only gotten attention since the pandemic started so i haven't really been been a known entity of any sort uh long enough to to play many shows uh outside of new orleans and arkansas and a few short tours so uh, I'm I'm stoked for the pandemic stuff to chill out just so I can get out there and actually yeah, play again. Bet. So are y'all still locked down in Arkansas? There never was a lockdown here. The, oh. the thing, Arkansas is kind of a rested frontier in a lot of ways. You know, like uh, there's, there's places that are sort of uh, run down in backwaters and then there's Arkansas. And uh, people didn't really ever care. And uh, there, there was some like minor suggested, like you know, businesses closed. But they're trying to go to phase two, and this area is having like a huge spike in cases. I'm in the northwest corner of Arkansas near Fayetteville. And oh uh, shit, dude, my best friend lives in Fayetteville, dude. Oh no, kidding. That's cool. I mostly grew up here. Who's your friend? His name is Robert Dix. Dix. Uh, Graduated high uh, school. Oh six. There's a chance I I ran across him. I you know I I was kind of uh, I would have been a little bit younger and I was kind of a loser. So I don't know. Well, uh, I, I, it's I him. Just, so we I play professional beer pong and I travel the country playing, and that's mm-hmm. how I met him. And uh, he has a bunch of cool friends. I'll be there, dude. Yeah, there's one kid up there that really fucking shreds guitar. But yeah, dude. After this, I'll fucking I'll see if he knows who you are, dude. I'll definitely. Yeah. Enjoy, yeah. Shoulders is my actual name, so in high school, you wouldn't know me as or heard that name. Hell yeah. First, I thought it was like a stage name, and then I watched the one you did with uh, Spin the Shit or whatever podcast, and I was like, oh, it really is his name. That's freaking sick. Yeah. <laughs> Funny, because I was, uh, you know, my parents are, are athletes, so I got dragged into football and all sorts of shit when I was young, and I'm not any good at it. And uh, I walk into the room and they'd be like oh here's your pad son uh shoulders oh that's a pretty good football guy you're gonna be a uh, football guy huh and i was like mm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see that's awesome yeah. i was fourth string i think they like invented stuff for me to do i played one play in two years it was pitiful i hated it i didn't want to be there at all well, but anyway enough about football <laughs> yeah now, I'm a football fan, so i mean i that but Dude, that's what's up, though. That's pretty cool. So, uh, what what got you started in music, like all around? Like, did you grow up like playing guitar? And no, I my dad is a good whistler and he can sing, but there wasn't any music in my in my home growing up necessarily. My grandpa, uh, really, my grandparents on both sides were pretty musical. Um, had some like gospel, deep south kind of roots, <laughs> and. Uh, 
as I got a little bit older, I got into the drums and started playing in like metal bands and uh, eventually picked up banjo and stuff. But I didn't play acoustic guitar in standard and write songs until like three years ago, four years ago at this point. So this, uh, I really kind of had the skill set that I built up of like making yodely sounds and whistling and, uh, you know, hearing old country music and stuff that I, I picked up on as a kid, but I didn't actually utilize it until pretty recently. I, I kind of just thought it was novel and, and wacky, you know, like kind of circus music. But uh, I started busking and playing outside on the streets and stuff out west, and people were responding to the circus music. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just keep doing this because, you know, it, I've done all the other stuff. I've been in the bands where you yell at people and your neck hurts, and I've been in, like, banjo string bands and whatnot. But I was like, this this grandpa music kind of seems to be where it's at. So it's yeah. it's been kind of a weird journey getting here. But, uh, yeah, I didn't play, like, much music as a child or anything. I just whistled and screwed around in the woods mostly so I, I didn't have a uh, I don't have like a real music background I still can't play a bar chord you know I'm, I really kind of suck at guitar but it, it's it's gotten me at least this far so I'd, I'll take it I guess oh, awesome so, yeah, yeah. so your mute your your roots is like metal and stuff so did y'all play like hardcore like death metal or like what kind of the bands were they like inspired you that way so my my first bands were like awful you know back bedroom pop punk like uh just fast, obnoxious kind of stuff. And then I got playing uh, or got into playing drums for like kind of this weird, freaky metalcore band. You know, the thing is, like small town Arkansas, every band was uh, like some kind of like Christian hardcore, like, you know, Christian straight edge, which if you know anything about Minor Threat and the history of punk straight edge, like it's weird. It's a weird interchange. So, um these guys were kind of like aggressive, hyper-religious, sketchy, like fighting, fighting hardcore dudes. And so it was like, yeah, it was like an aggressive, uh, uh, like beat em up kind of hardcore scene. And we were like this weird, freaky uh, band, but we're like the only secular band. So I, I kind of had this like experience of, of sticking out and being in the weird, like discordy, uh, metalish hardcore band that didn't have any like religious or you know, I don't know. It, it was just an odd place to be, but I moved on and played mostly like thrash music and like DB kind of uh, like metal and punk crossover, like like stuff that's very aggressive, but was also like, you know, kind of politically and socially minded and had a message and wasn't just sort of raw aggression. Although I listen to a lot of music that's just raw aggression. Uh, trust me. <laughs> a lot of oh, yeah, yeah. the interview is like math core, grind core, death metal, like, like that stuff. <laughs> So to have you like kind of come up through there and then make the transition to what you do now is it's pretty cool. So it's, it's cause I, I listen to it. We listen to everything from country, bluegrass, metal, pop punk, death core. Oh. So it's really cool. Yeah. I, I came up in, in a, in a heavy scene and I kept playing heavy music. Like all my, my like understanding of the value of music, like what your time and equipment and effort and everything are worth are like based on the scale of like small town thrash shows in like, you know, dingy garages and living rooms and stuff. So like, I, I'm still getting used to how this whole like Americana country world works where like, it's like, Oh, they want to, they want to pay me that. That's pretty cool. Okay, cool. Let's do that. Like I'm, I'm used to the, like the other thing and, and kind of got my standards adjusted on that scale. So you know, I, I'm 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 excited to be able to play music later into life, also because that stuff's so hard on your body. Like, you know, yeah. if you've ever if you've ever been in those bands, like they're tough, they're hard on you. And I got spinal problems. I'm kind of a grandpa anyway, so like, yeah, I'm I'm glad that uh, I've transitioned into this other uh, music avenue for a variety of reasons. But one of them is just that I can keep playing music. I can still keep doing it because I can't do that other shit forever. Are <laughs> uh, uh, you still like? Uh... Do you still, are you still going to like metal shows and shit? Or are you just? Totally. Well, especially yeah. when, I, when I was in New Orleans, uh, I actually was in the process of starting a doom band and it was going to be like weird, high harmony, like echoey, uh, just like sludge, three note riff, 10 minute song kind of, kind of band. Oh, yeah. But that's on pause because there aren't shows happening in New Orleans anytime soon. And I can't, uh, can't really justify being there and not being able to work. So, you know, moving back up 
being in the Ozarks is next best thing. Have you met a lot of a lot of musicians up there in fucking New Orleans? Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that dragged me down there. I I ended up uh, living in a van out west. I, I've been in Arkansas the vast majority of my life, and I went out west for a while uh, and played music on the streets and stuff. And I got to know this kind of rotating cast of people that were all travelers and like lifelong street musicians who all like you know wintered in New Orleans or went down for Mardi Gras season or did these things. So I kind of I happened upon these folks and I got invited to play drums for Chris Acker's band for a tour. And after going down after the Chris Acker tour and hanging out with everybody and like getting, getting the lay of the land, I was like, well, this is a much better group of people than I've been uh, exposed to when I pa- traveled to New Orleans in the past. Cause you know, Arkansas and Louisiana are, are neighbors. So I, yeah. I spent a amount of time in, in New Orleans when I was younger but it was always like not good. And then I've had a really good experience. I was like, Oh, it's all about this, this community that's here. And so I'm, I'm really privileged to know that quality of backing players and, you know, like lead people and songwriters that are down there. Cause like it's, it's freaky, the concentration of, of talent that's down there, but everyone usually leaves for the summer anyway to tour and, and it's uh, not going to be any shows happening. Sorry. I got a burp. This is a consistent theme. I was in a burping on, uh, Go for it. Use your yeah, you're it's trash act, dude. We don't care. Uh, I, I play in metal bands. I play bass and I play all over. And, uh, I think our first show is going to be August 22nd, I think. So it's a fucking long time, dude. That's all I want to do is play. Well, and it's, it's interesting because I've played short tours in heavier bands and, uh, it doesn't take long before you're pretty whoop, you know, like it's very rewarding, but three nights in, you're like, God, I'm supposed to do this every night, especially as a vocalist. If you're trying to like, you know, holler like that consistently, it's hard on you. Uh, and I found that the touring with this type of music, Americana stuff is so much easier on your body in so many ways. But, uh, the one thing that doesn't really go away is that, the the voice thing, like it's, you just have to take care of yourself. You know, I stay not sick try to smoke robot weed instead of regular analog stuff, you know, like you have to, you have to switch up what you're doing and it'll, uh, it's the only way to like keep your voice intact enough to do it. And it's, it's a lot like being in those heavy bands. It's this, this yodeling stuff's not easy on your vocal cords. I was about to ask that is yodeling kind of like the same, like, would it be like hard on your vocal cords, like screaming kind of thing as well? You know, I can't say necessarily. Well, so like, I have gone back and listened to earlier versions of music I've been doing. And um, it's, it's always seemed to me that I didn't quite get the projection thing. Like it was more, it was kind of on the growly, like low end of things. And I, I took, so I learned the yodeling stuff when I was young, like a teenager by listening to old music. But my grandpa played gospel and recorded a bunch of like gospel country, politan weird music. It's kind of croony. And uh, I went back and listened to that in my mid-20s and was like, oh, wait, this is what I've been missing. This, this vibrato and this, like, warble on the bottom of it, that's where you're getting all the projection. Like, that's from old Deep South gospel thing. If you're playing in a church without microphones, you need to be able to project really far. So I, I learned that lesson about the same time that I started doing a few other heavy things. And I was like, whoa, this not only improved my ability to, like, sing old country music, like realizing this generational like connection I've got to the sound, but also made it a lot easier to be in a metal band. Like I, the guttural aspect of it, I was just like, Oh shit, I sound kind of scary. This is tight. Like, it, was, it was way better than just like yelling as I had been before. I, uh, I learned how to play music in a Holy Roller church. Oh, cool. But yeah, nice. dude, that, that was a, uh, that was interesting. It was fucking, they, they, they taught me a lot. I mean, at least you like get on stage and you're playing in front of people, but like, like the big old ladies, they'd walk up and they'd like fall over and start fucking speaking in tongues and shit. And I'd be like, Oh fuck. Dude. Like <laughs> that shit was crazy. Uh, my grandma was dating the preacher or whatever. And they were like, yeah, you can come like play music. Uh, like learn how to play music with us. I was like, fuck yeah. So I learned how to play guitar. They had me unplugged for the first couple months. And then I started catching on and started playing and, that was a lot of fun. Uh, holy roller church, dude. But I mean, you're talking about how like you have to learn how to scream and stuff. Like we did like, or like, you know, you have to learn how to project your vocals cause they don't have microphones, you know, the poor church. Uh, yeah. 
That shit was fun, dude. See, and that's the kind of funny thing is, like, I have this this family pedigree of these gospel singers. My great-grandma apparently taught gospel singing. Um, and, you know, my Arkansas side of the family especially is very, like, religious. My grandpa had a solo at um, uh, whatever Hillcrest First Baptist Little Rock or whatever it is every Sunday. But, like, I had a, a fairly secular upbringing and mostly was just into natural science. I was a woods nerd. I was out there, like, catching turtles and, like, doing weird snake uh, surveys and stuff. You know, I was I went to ecology camp for a second there. Like, I was I was definitely, like, a natural science nerd. And so I was obviously, you know, by being a science nerd, was going to end up a junior religious skeptic. But I was really... I didn't, I didn't like being around churchy things. It made me feel very unwelcome until later on I started hearing old American folk music, old recordings of uh, stuff that was field recorded and found like, you know, in the twenties and thirties. And I was like, wait, I know these songs. I know this stuff like this. I, I recognize this melody. I've heard this hymn before. Like this is stuff that I recognize from, uh, from being around my family's, uh, uh, church stuff growing up and then that took me on a whole journey where now I have able to like appreciate gospel from my kind of an academic standpoint almost but like you know if you told 10 year old me that like hey you know your your grandpa is like I walk today where Jesus walks stuff you're gonna end up singing shit like that I would have been appalled I would have been utterly like no way that's not right I'm gonna dig up dinosaurs <laughs> so oh, yeah. it's uh, a whole roundabout thing you know but it I feel for everybody in some way or another. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I mean, it's really cool that you can relate that and it ties into how you write and where you're at now too. And you can look back on it like, oh wow, this is, I, it's an inspiration in, in itself, you know. Like, totally. Like, since you've been an adolescent or a kid or whatever, you've grown up in your age now and how you put it into your music writing, it's pretty incredible. That's fun stuff. So you're saying at this pandemic's whenever you started picking up steam, I guess, like uh, off YouTube and shit. Yeah, essentially, I, I. So last summer, I played a four month tour, living in my van with my dog. Okay. Just kind of what I was, what I was used to, where you sleep in the parking lot behind the bar, and there's ten people there, and you sell a couple shirts. You know, it's like what, what I have kind of been accustomed to, and what I guess I'm like good at. But um, I, I just stayed in New Orleans this fall and winter and was doing the dance season. And I, I'm a drummer, too, so I play, like, drums for a bunch of bands in town. So I was getting to do uh, my normal New Orleans season. And then the Western as Fuck guys came to town for Mardi Gras, and we got a video done. And I already had a video that had been up for a couple months, and that picked up a little bit, too. But that all happened in late February, early March, which is obviously – and the pandemic happened also. Yeah. So I went from a uh, couple thousand views on YouTube then to um, being kind of shocked that people like y'all reaching out and wanted to talk now. So it's it's been a, a strange, quick transition, but I essentially haven't gotten to uh, quote unquote reap the benefits of it because I've been on lockdown and just been playing live streams and stuff. But I, I cannot wait to get out play shows again it's it's sort of uh the whole reason i do this stuff is is getting to travel around and see things and be places that i don't get to do normally so that's uh it's definitely a priority is just getting out on the road again we'll definitely make it to texas that's where we're from i, I don't know if we mentioned that or not we might have but yeah we're from <laughs> we're, we're out, texas we're right outside of dallas so well, he's actually in jacksboro which is about wichita falls and i'm like 20 minutes from dallas i live in lake dallas but Oh, cool. You would you would do good here, dude. Yeah. Like we uh, we're a red dirt town for sure, but goddamn, they would they would love your shit. Like they would. Well, uh, I I grew up hearing a bunch of that stuff because you know Tulsa's right next door. So anytime we need to go see a show that was bigger, whether it was in like country or metal punk, any kind of thing, we'd go over to Kane's Ballroom. Yeah. And, and you know, I'd like go see Guar or something at oh, Kane's Ballroom. Yeah. <laughs> the home of Bob Wills and a big banner above the stage, and then there's like awesome guts and shit flying everywhere. So, you know, it's like it, it, I love the contrast of of the modern South because you know we all grew up the same sort of like angry and disaffected that the people that like 
made this older hard up music did but and we have a totally different avenue so that's why the bands from the south that are heavy are heavier and meaner and angrier it's like it's it's totally a, a documented thing so are are you uh are you about to start traveling again this summer like are you uh no no that nothing's nothing's happening for me i i had stuff that was going to be out west in august i was supposed to go to australia and the end of july um, but all that's canceled. So I could play a few local things I could see, but um, as far as like wanting to play, it's way up here. Like I, on a sort of emotional level, I'd love to just be in front of people and traveling again, no matter what. But on an academic level, it's like, I don't want to be a, a reason disease spreads. I don't really want to be one of these people that sort of jump in the gun. I'm very, uh, I'm very anti-greed. I hate greed. Greed's probably my least favorite thing on the fucking planet. And so, like, watching people jump the gun, I'm just like, you're not gaining anything but just, like, causing other people irreparable harm because you're trying to make a quick buck. But, you know, a lot of people are struggling and want to get back to work, and those things should be happening. But, like, shows and stuff, come on. We can, we can hold this out. Our grandparents were called to war. We're being called to our couch. Just, like, kick it, you know? But good way to look at it for sure. Like, I, cause Texas, I mean, they shut down kind of, but Texas was like, hey, yeah, my town didn't shut down. No, I never shut down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've, uh, we had six cases total and no one, no one died. So, I mean, uh, it's been nothing, uh, it's been nothing here. That's why I was asking if you're willing to travel. Cause we have shows coming up in our town. Like no one's going to be there physically, but like they have musicians like back off. Like, <laughs> but it, it's it's kind of interesting you say like yeah you said you know you hate greed and like to see your standpoint on that's really awesome because you see a lot of musicians like well I'll play we need to play shows we need to get this 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 they stress about it they stress about like the the fact of like financial decrease or whatever and to hear you say well you know greed's like one of the worst things I I agree I, I hate greed myself I think it's dumb I'm a freaking minimalistic person I, I could I want to buy a schoolie and just living it and i finally convinced my wife to do it so now we just gotta find a school bus and travel right. but yeah i mean i don't need anything it's just like whatever <laughs> yeah i'm a very fucking minimal human like i don't really want anything you know what i mean like i'm good well and that's why i'm moving out to the woods and doing this whole thing is that i i have uh i have plenty of time after this blows over which you know God willing is less than two years, but let's face it, like real life is probably at least a year away. And I don't want to just sweat in a shotgun house in New Orleans and play like backyard and shows and stuff. Like I love the folks down there. I love the town, but like, you know, we're basically as the musicians that I've talked to, I've, I've tried to frame the, uh, the situation like this, like we're, you know, 50% musician. And then there's half of us, that is a total other thing and was a person before all of this. So I didn't have the paying tours and the label and really any sort of like engine besides me just like hustling merch and, and playing shows uh, behind this before the pandemic hit. So I'm not suffering in the same way. So my position is unique. So my, I have the privilege to say like, yeah, I'm not like hurting that bad. Uh, who gives a shit about shows? Stay in. It's, it's healthier people. Like that's my benefit to be able to like, come at the situation from that or, or that angle. But um, really, I think like at the end of it, uh, I don't want to be part of the problem because I, I see so many people are just bummed about folks that are part of the problem. And like, I'm bummed about it too. And there's places like where you're talking about where you're from that haven't had any problems with it. And that's awesome. And they should be having local shows uh, where I was at at the beginning of this, the first two months, we were in Newton County, Arkansas, and there's one stoplight in the whole damn county. It's three quarters national forest. They had, I still think they only had three cases total. And as far as I know, no one died, but like, it, I just don't want to be the person to kill somebody's granny or to get somebody out of work for three weeks to where it, it screws up their financial situation. Like getting six, a real deal in this country. I've, I've had medical problems in the past and not having insurance as I don't, you know, if I were to get knocked out of being able to live stream or sell stuff, you know, like that would be a big, 
a bad deal. And so I, I feel for folks that are trying to not get sick and stay out of this because it's, it's, it's more important than just like, oh, I, I won't get ill, which maybe I won't. But like, yeah, it, it, it counts for people's well-being in a much broader sense, I think. Definitely. Uh, do you know Kane Hill in New Orleans, that band? It's Kane Hill, you say? Yeah, Kane Hill and then Greeley Estates. Those are two fucking pretty sick bands from New Orleans. Uh, Greeley Estates sounds familiar, but Kane Hill is funny because there's a Kane Hill, Arkansas, that my buddy is like – more or less from his family is from the area and it's like a weird living culture museum where they make uh sorghum molasses and there's like an old banjo player that lived on a hill and looked over the town and played music all day or something but yeah that's that that's the only cane hill i know about but uh they, let me see i'm looking them up on facebook right now because they're they're really nice guys they're friends of mine uh nice uh they're from new orleans uh they're like a they're like kind of like I'm gonna say a mid-level metal band, maybe like you know they definitely make money doing it. Uh, not like kick, not but like I know they hit a couple shows with like a day to remember this last year and uh, Devil Wears Prada and shit. Nice. So, so they're doing decent. Yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, what's your usual setup you use like at a show? Do you have like a big setup, or you just take like a couple guitars, or like one specific guitar you like to take on you? Well, so I when I was kind of concocting these songs playing out of the van or uh you know early stages in new orleans and i do like a kick drum hi-hat thing so when i'm traveling by myself i do a kick drum hi-hat guitar and you know I, like i said i've been playing like people's walnut orchards and the back of some fucking weird restaurant in small town oregon so like I just have a little Fishman amp that's got the microphone uh, and a quarter-inch jack on it. So I just run my guitar and the microphone and stand I take with me. So I have, like, this tiny kick drum. It's, like, that thick that, I guess, marching band people in New Orleans like to use. But it was designed to be a floor kick originally and a hi-hat stand. So I just have guitar, kick, hi-hat, and an amp. But, I, you know, in town or in an ideal situation where I've got the band um, – there's just a drummer, uh, lead guitar player, stand-up bass, and uh, uh, me playing acoustic guitar. But gotta say, I, I miss my boy Grant down in New Orleans. He uh, he's the uh, high harmonies you hear on all the records, and uh, he plays bass for the band down there. And uh, just you know, whenever we're on tour, is sort of a, a duo. I think it's kind of like a pretty pretty locked in sound because you get the harmony and sort of the minimalism of just a guitar and a kick and hi hat, but yeah, I, I haven't really had a, uh, a an occasion to have more than, than my one guitar, but I wish wish I could play some slide, wish I could play banjo. Those are two things that I I don't suck at totally and could like employ to a show. But like I said, it's just been me as a one man operation up to this point, so I don't uh, don't get the benefit of having anybody uh, help me set up a three guitar uh, pedal rig or anything. Right, right on. So are you going to start selling merch online? Because I've seen some of your artwork. Because you do the artwork for your T-shirts, right? Yeah, I do the uh, album art and the T-shirts and all that. But um, I'm actually looking at it all around me right now, all the merch. Uh, I've been waiting for the uh, the protest atmosphere to sort of uh, resolve in some way a little bit and uh, not be somebody that's trying to like self-promote during a time that like attention needs to be turned towards systemic inequality. So I haven't been selling this stuff essentially since the protest started, but um, I think I'm going to just donate a portion and try to get this stuff on in the next few days. But, you know, like I said, I'm a one-man operation. There's no label. There's no manager. There's no uh, any of that. I'm just some dude who's playing yodely dance shows in New Orleans up until uh, a few months ago, and now I'm trying to, like, figure out what to do with these boxes of T-shirts that are around me right now. <laughs> I definitely uh, is there a website? Uh, there is a website. It is uh, nickshouldersokcrawdad.com, but it's under construction. There's just like a, uh, a link to send me an email and some other stuff. But basically, I'm getting pretty much constantly bombarded about the merch thing, and I wish I had easy answers. All I can say is I have been in the mountains of Arkansas, and my stuff's been in New Orleans. And it went from I should sell a couple of CDs at a show to – me getting hit up all the time um, and needing to ship stuff. So I'm, I'm working on it, but it'll, it'll, it'll turn up. That's awesome. So how long have you been doing artwork? Because dude, I love, it's so freaking sick. It's so different than like a lot of other stuff. Cause 
the guy, well, not ours, but I'm in another couple other podcasts, and like the, the guy that does a lot of his band's artwork, Joey, it, it, it's different from that. It's more like a, a kind of like what would you say, Rick and Morty type style. But yours is like, like he he brought it up. It says it looks like uh, would you say Super Joe? Super, Super Joe. Oh, totally. yeah, that's yeah. that's been an influence for sure. That's okay. <laughs> it's awesome. I so I've been doing art shit since I was a little kid. Um, I think I'm more qualified to do that, honestly. Like I, I went to art school briefly, dropped out, didn't do well at that. Um, but I I got just enough graphic design and graphic illustration education and like friends who were good at it that I uh, figured out how to take the cartooning and stuff and turn it into like stuff I use for bands. So basically as soon as I started playing shows on a regular basis at like 15, 16, I started doing flyers for, uh, for the shows. And so then I started getting commissioned by other bands to do their flyers and then some album art and t-shirts and stuff. So by the time I was like in my late teens, I'd already been a part of the Fayetteville like music art interchange uh, that kind of happens in a small place where there's only a few people making designs and only a few people making music. But, uh, yeah, I, I really, like, kind of thought I would, that's what I was going to be doing my whole life. Like, I, I love music, and I've always kind of played it as uh, something that's more personally satisfying to me than art. But I'm kind of more uh, – ah, shit, here we go. Got the burps. Uh, I'm kind of more qualified in general to be an artist than a musician. And uh, so, I, I really, the answer is I've always been drawn. Okay, so but- – uh- how much would you charge to like do freelance for like say bands or or like say like if we was to like want to do like have you do some artwork for us would you be able to do that like in charge oh absolutely uh i mean i've got like a shop minimum that i try to do because everything i do is hand drawn it's not like on, on a tablet or anything like i just draw it out take a picture on my phone vectorize it on a program and then run it through the computer and work it from there but uh we'd have to like we can talk talk turkey uh, via text but yeah i'm always open for stuff like that i uh i i like my shit around it's it's cool um and i like people to have uh art that they care about so if you if you got a commission yeah because we we actually started a uh, within this week we kind of branched off into uh, uh it's trash act skateboarding we're gonna start doing skateboard decks and we uh, artwork on skateboard deck hey man we should get this artwork on a deck of ours and then sell it and then, and then, heck, we can throw you a deck and give you some of the money, too, off that, which that'd be fun. Oh, yeah, that'd be dope. I, I actually did uh, – there's a little company called Narkansaw Skateboards around town, uh, and I did the deck designs for them for a second. I'm, uh, I never was good at skating. I've, I've got that bad back we mentioned, but I always like being around it, and so uh, I, I'd be tickled to death. Yeah, I'd love to do the skate deck. Awesome, man. That's super cool. So – uh. Now that you've transitioned into like more Americana, what would you say your influences are other like modern day influences would be, or even like other artists? Um, you know, I was in sort of like the muddy roots scene of bands in the 2012 to 15, 14 range. And I was around a lot of really cool bands in that scene, but it was definitely, um, what I guess the way I could put it is it's kind of light on its reference to source material. You know, it, they don't really, there's not as much attention paid to the old recordings and the old stuff and not as sort of like, uh, not, they just don't do quite a good as job of, of referencing that stuff. And that's always been important to me because that's what I liked more than making this music was listening to the old recordings. I'm obsessed with old American music. Like I really old music of any sort. I, I listened to more old shit than anything else by a long shot. But once I started interacting with that, that scene I mentioned of kind of like greater New Orleans, like busking, street weirdos, like reformed punks playing American traditional music, started running across stuff like uh, the Croakwell Night Owls and uh, Caleb Clotter, um, Hogslop String Band, you know, these, these people that are, uh, that are making like stuff that's way closer to the mark um, on what, old old country is supposed to sound like i think they're just listening to it harder but also still having room for creativity because that's kind of like the great interplay of this music isn't it is that you got the like creativity versus source material and you're trying not to stray too far to either because it's all about creativity you might as well just be in a noise band like this music is inherently uh uh 
referential, like you you are taking stuff from the past, like this is how it works. But if you take too much from the past and don't have any wiggle room or creativity, then you're just ending up being a, a record. Like that's what records exist for. You might as well go listen to Memphis Jug Band rather than listen to some white kids on Royal Street in 2020 play it. You know, so it's like it, there there's kind of the two poles that you have to navigate between. But I really feel like that stuff um, in the New Orleans scene that I'm in, uh, which it mashed potato records and the bands that are on that, that's all has been so influential on me. Like the people I've gotten to play music with down there uh, and not just like singers and songwriters, but backing players, people who play steel guitar and bass and other drummers and stuff like everything that's going on in the New Orleans scene right now, it totally informs how I think about this stuff, like the Deslons and all the bands that have kind of split off and become part of that scene. Uh, I made a Spotify playlist that's just called Un-Americana, if you want to look it up, but that's all my friends, and those are folks that have really rubbed off on me the last few years, but um, getting to play music with people that you also respect and listen to their tunes on the side, is it's been a real privilege, honestly. Oh, I bet. <laughs> so have you heard anything back from Tiny Desk yet, or...? No, they even made a, uh, a preview video that I watched, and I was like, ooh, where's my clip? Where's my clip? And it wasn't on there. Oh. And so maybe they just, like, don't like it that much, or maybe they like it that much that they're saving it, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, not too, I'm not too, like, hung up on it. It would be really cool, but um, it, it wouldn't also be the end of the world if it went to somebody that's, like, in a little more of a uh, – a creative uh, uh, left field. Like, you know, I, I understand country music is hot right now, but they're probably, like, inundated with it. Anyway, so it's it's it may, maybe for the best. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, like, like you said, your video, like, on Western AF or Western as fuck was, it's, like, blown up. I think it's, like, at 600,000 views, I think I saw, or something like that. Waterfalls one is is actually just pulled ahead of it weirdly, but um, yeah, that's that blew my mind. I mean, I like I said, I was uh, playing my release show later on that night, so like the video that they filmed, I was just playing the record release show for the thing that came out. So we just put out OK Crawdad, just recorded that video the night of the release show, then put it out, then pandemic hits. So like. You know, the timing is unfortunate, but also people have been listening more than maybe they would otherwise and have been on YouTube more than they would otherwise. So, like, I'm trying to, like, see the glass half full here and think, like, you know, if it wasn't for this, people may not have been paying attention to the extent they have. So, like, I, I'm i taking I'm taking that as, as a positive spin on all this. Definitely. Yeah, cause, I mean, I found out about it just sitting at home on my computer. I was like, who's this guy? Mullet? <laughs> yeah see yeah, so i was like this is my kind of guy i clicked on it I was like dude this is freaking sick i've, I've been sending out to everybody i sent it to wayne's like, dude, uh, in the podcast dude this dude's legit mike's got a sweet mullet too by the way i cut it he, like the like the freaking joe exotic mullet but it, mm-hmm. it, it really long but i cut it kind of oh. it's growing a lot on the top but well you know it's funny about the whole Joe Exotic thing, there's another weird coincidence because that was just my Mardi Gras haircut. Like, I get fucked up hair sometimes. Like, I'll dye it in weird places or, like, you know, give myself random blonde streaks and stuff. Like, whatever. Uh, it's it's never never weird. But I just happened to have that, that two-tone Mardi Gras haircut when they came to town. And uh, I remember thinking, like, ah, oh, Christ, people aren't going to take this seriously at all if I'm looking like this for this video. And I was like, fuck it. Like, I, I don't have a choice. Let's just, let's just play the damn song. So I'm, I'm happy that, that Joe Exotic kind of showed up at the same time because it really seemed to, like, bring in this whole other weird segment of people that were just there to gawk at the hair, which is fine because I don't, like – I, I'm not convinced overly of the like intrinsic value in my music anyway. So I don't care if someone is there to like gawk at it or say like that it's just novel, like circus sounds like that's fine for me. Cause it, I totally accept that. But the fact that that movie came out right when my hair was up in front of a couple hundred thousand people was a really weird coincidence, which. Yeah. Well, I've had a mullet since I was probably like 18 or 19 or mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I used to have the mullet, like the bangs. I was like, you know what? I'm going to let it grow. I'm going to get a mullet. I got rid of the little freaking flock of seagulls cut. I got a mullet. 
And until my like mid twenties, I had to mullet. Then they went back to mohawk. Then back to a mullet. I, you know, I just transitioned from mohawk to mullet like every three to four months. It's funny. Well, I mean, you saw my hair. It, it's curly as hell. So like, I could never have cool looking mohawks. I always cut my hair into a mohawk. But like, sans the mullet, this is what my hair is looks like. like. Most of my life, I just buzzed it a couple times a year, and. Uh, just in the last 10 years started growing my hair out a lot and then I'd cut it into fucked up things like fucked up mullets and mohawks and whatnot. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty happy with this like abbreviated mullet right now. It's not too long and like, it's not all up in my neck while I'm trying to like be out on the river and stuff. Cause I'm back in Arkansas. I'm back in the Ozarks. I've been trying to be on the river as much as possible. And it's <laughs> no fun just having sweat accumulating on your neck. Like it's just, that's foul. No, thank you. So do you, you still have the van that you travel in or? I have that van. It's down in New Orleans right now. My buddy is going to use it to try and move out and come up here. But I actually bought a truck this fall because I was having um, apocalypse paranoia. It's also one of the reasons I released the record in 2019, December, because I was having apocalypse paranoia. I was like, I just want to get this stuff out here. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I have a bad feeling. So I bought this truck and uh, it's been, it's been awesome, but I do have that van. It's, it's languishing in the lower ninth ward right now, just waiting for somebody to drive it up to Arkansas. But luckily it's not that far. Right. Yeah. That's super cool. You have anything, Wayne? Oh no, I was just listening. I'll talk. I don't know. I'm just like chilling here. I just said you were talking about going between two poles and I was like, that's what Mike likes to do. That's what I was thinking in my head. I don't know. I was just thinking back on your things you've been saying. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> All right. I'm a fucking substitute history teacher or something in a past life. I just can't shut up. But no, you're are- good, dude. Well, I mean, that, does that mean you're a coach? Does every history teacher ever have a fucking coach, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I got to say my favorite uh, was this guy, uh, Marzoni. And he talked about how he walked around with pistols because he had all this property and he hated snakes. And he talked about uh, all – like he would bring up – him shooting a snake this week as like a historical example of like Shay's rebellion or something like that. It was just, it was uh, all like snake phobia, but I obviously don't suffer from the same problems. I'm a snake enthusiast. So it, I always thought it was pretty entertaining, but do you take, do you take a lot of mushrooms? Uh, not in particular. I did when I was younger. First time I took mushrooms was at high school. I ate them in the bathroom. Actually. Um, and it was an awful mistake. Like suddenly I was just like fifth period, like waves going down my vision. I'm laughing hysterically. And my Spanish teacher who actually ended up being a real cool guy. And I play like old time banjo fiddle music with him. He's a fiddle player. Uh, he was like, you know, you know, come back to earth, come back to earth. And totally like trying to get me out of this like weird mushroom death spiral that I was in. Uh, but no, I don't fuck with them anymore. Hardly. They, I, they make me too nervous. I did too many of them when I was young or something. Oh, you were just talking about being in nature. I just thought maybe you'd, you know, do anything like that, like D, DMT, DMT. DMT is a party. Haven't done that in a while. Uh, I, I mean, when we were bored and we were young, we did whatever weird fucking drug we could find here and just go out in the woods. We have two million acres of national forest that's half an hour drive from here, so like, pretty much infinite areas to hide and party and do weird shit. Like we, you know, not to rat ourselves out too much or anything, but we were criminals we were terrible criminals and we just had all this like space and uh sleepy arkansas and small town shit to hide in and uh it's it was great you know i i miss it <laughs> oh yeah i think you'll uh you'll get along with my friend really good dude like he's really uh into nature and shit and uh his you know they're from fayetteville like i said and uh he uh son of a bitch my son came in here he's all he's been sick all week and so he's been he's been chilling with me. That's why I'm, I would like to have been with him doing the interviews and stuff. But uh, he's been real sick, so I've been with him. But no, my friend uh, he uh, his his mom owns a canoe shop right there on Ozark. Oh, I'll be damned! Yeah, that's yeah. Kind of, that's a popular thing is to have uh, canoes, kayaks, and stuff for rental. Um, but we got we got a lot of water around here. Y'all should visit sometime. It's very. Oh, I'm very definitely. Cool. I'm supposed to be coming in two weeks. Oh, no kidding! That's awesome. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, me and him, that's what we... Oh, what'd you do? That's what we do. Stop it, buttface. <laughs> buttface, go. <laughs> yeah, do you have any kids or anything, Nick? Or did you uh, did you no. stray from all that? 
I'm, uh, I'm 30 and have just been uh, doing traveling bullshit and around kind of stuff. <clears throat> no kids or wife, but my girlfriend and I are moving to the woods together, so that's kind of a nice, stable step. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome, dude. If you can find a chick to live in the woods with you, dude, like, that's going to be fucking sweet. You know, like, she- that's a whole, like... Like his his wife wanted to do the fucking bussy thing or whatever. That shit's awesome. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna do that soon. Changes her mind and wants a house. I'm not big. Yeah, in a real life. <laughs> I, I would get a van, but she was like, "No, nah, let's have a bus. So we have a shower, and she wants a toilet." No, All right, your compost toilet so you can dump in. <laughs> so how long have you been living the van life? Uh, let's see. 2014, I bought the van and by. A few months later, beginning of 2015, I was living in it, and I did that for about three straight years with, like, but the thing is, like, it would be, like, a month on, and then I would be living out of it, but have a property or something I was crashing at where I could, like, you know, take a dump, where I could uh, do my dishes, things like that. So, like, I did spend a lot of long stretches where I was just in the van itself. And there was also like a lot of long stretches where I had amenities via property, but like, you know, where I was laying my head every night, like where I crashed and slept was almost always the van. So even when I wasn't living in the van and I was doing tour stuff, like we would play a show, we'd get to the place and the rest of the band would be like, yeah, I'm going to go in and climb the couch or we get a bed or we get this. And like, no boys, I'll be here in the van. <laughs> I've got my own bed. That's awesome. Right here. Do you have any advice for somebody wanting to live in a van? Hey, my biggest thing that saved my ass is that I, I had the resources at the time to get a solar rig, and I got a couple panels, and my buddy helped me install it and put that sucker on there. A couple batteries, and I just got the kit. They give you the inverter and like a schematic and a bunch of instructions and uh, wiring and stuff. But that saved my ass. Just having like a fan on you, like y'all know Texas, like God, it wake up at seven a.m. and there's no air moving, and it's June. You're fucked, you know. Like that's just no fun at all. So uh, I would suggest the fan. You can charge your food, do all that stuff. The rig I had, I could even run a hot water boiler. So like, you know, I made rice, I made coffee, um, ramen noodles. Like you can survive off staples, but. Really, I would just say learn how to also go in spurts. You know, I would uh, I would busk and play on the street and uh, and do art commission stuff and hustle for a week real hard, just do the van. And then I'd treat myself to a motel room and I would, like, take a good shower and have, like, a good meal and do stuff like that. So you have to, like, go in cycles. Like, you don't have to punish yourself the whole time. Like, you're not going to get anything out of just, like, being a Spartan van person. Like... You know, the point is seeing places, and if, uh, if like, doing things to make yourself comfortable gets you to more places, like, by all means, do that. So, I also, just utilize there's so much to the West that uh, is open, and there's government land, and uh, so many beautiful places to go. So, I'd say, like, if you're going to be a van person, like, do loops. Like, I always went out to California, Washington, made as much money as I could saw as many things as I could and then came back and had like a stable place that I could like park up and be for a few weeks. So just figure out your systems. That would be my, my advice. Uh, I'm, I'm a pretty systems oriented person. So it's something I try to pass it on to people. Very cool. Uh, we want to be respectable of your time and said we don't want to take too much time because we've been, we've been on probably almost an hour. I think probably now. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I'm just there or like do your, your handles your facebook or instagram and let everybody know like totally I, i'd say i'm most active on instagram and that's just at okay crawdad um facebook it's just under nick's shoulders and the okay crawdad uh working on the website that's coming soon no twitter or anything although i've been thinking about it but um starting to work on youtube stuff i'm gonna do like some whistle and yodel tutorials and uh fun shit so if uh Y'all enjoy the YouTube uh, subscription type thing uh, to do that. So the, my, my channel is going to have a bunch of new stuff on it soon. And my grandpa's weird music's on that channel if you want to check it out. You got an OnlyFans? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, I don't. He's like, nope. Uh, although, you know, the, the gears are turning now. It's like, well. That's a good idea. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I've 
people that have been doing it longer with less protections uh, deserve that sort of uh, attention and stuff. Like a bunch of people just kind of hopping on it now that it's cool and there's a pandemic seems sort of disrespectful to that have had to work harder and deal with adverse conditions, you know? It's Narnar. But they have Patreon too that's more kind of, I guess, family oriented or. Yeah, that's the sort of, maybe that's the PG avenue that I'm looking for. There you go. There you go. Patreon's all. I think we, we, we don't have Patreon. My other podcast does. But definitely, man, it was good talking with you, bro. And we wish the it's, best to you and all the pandemic. And have you been writing any extra stuff like sitting around now? Oh, yeah. I'm recording an album at the end of the month where I'm going to do some of the old old guys uh, with just a guitar and do a couple new songs. So there's a, there's an acoustic album coming out sooner than later, hopefully. Nice, man. That's so awesome. Hey, what what uh, pickup do you use on your guitar? I saw you added a pickup on there. Yeah, it's just some DR Mond thing. Um, I had that little Stella Harmony guitar, and that was my first acoustic guitar that I like owned and played. And I just got that at some pawn shop in California like four years ago. And so I stuck that pickup in there, and I think the pickup cost more money than the guitar. <laughs> and then I got that, that little Fender Fender PM, and I threw that thing in there, and it's 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 wonderful. I, I kind of just happened upon it by accident, but I like saw it, and I was like, oh, it's cool looking. I'll buy that off the internet, and then it's turned out to actually work also, which is nice. So, has <laughs> that nice sound to it, which is awesome. Thanks. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, dude, your your sounds clean, like on the guitars and stuff. It's really uh, it's really fucking clean. Like just the the notes are all very crisp and. Thanks. I, I just learned to play it like a washboard. You know, I, I'm not a not a guitar player. I'm a drummer, so that boom chuck's about as good as it gets for me. There you go. Hey, uh, one other thing. I, I forgot to hit record on the beginning of this, so I'm going to do an intro. But could you do a yodel or a whistle to close it out? Sure. Howdy, lady. Awesome, man. It was good talking with you, bro. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Have a great day. You too. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.